it's 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 like George Clinton booked a day, and he was like, "I just need an acid day. I owe myself. I owe. It's been a long week. I owe myself an acid day, and that's what happened." Everybody. Welcome back to another episode of 1001 Album Complaints, the podcast where lifelong friends, musicians, critics uh, review a record from Robert Dimery's 1001 Albums You Must Listen To Before You Die. This week we have many of the usual characters. You guys like to introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Tom. Very excited to talk about this Completely normal, not at all strange album. <laughs> Adam, throwing it over to you. Yeah, this is Adam. Very excited. I'd never listened to this album. I think I got this confused with six other bands that have some variation of Parliament, Funkadelic, Funkadelia, Parliamentary. I don't know. I got, got all confused. <laughs> the so parliamentarian. I'm, that's what you got to confuse. Parliamentarians, with. yes. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I'm Alan, and um, this reminds me of college as a uh, young college student. Imagine my dismay when I purchased this Funkadelic CD and expecting P-Funk and uh, did not receive (laughs) P-Funk. That is right. So this week, we're going to get into all this, guys, because you're alluding to it. This week, we are talking about Funkadelic's Maggot Brain. This is the... 1971 release by one of George Clinton's, we'll call it three, we're going to get into the history briefly, three or four bands that really sort of make their own mark on the, on the scene in the, the 70s. So guys, let's do, the, let's do the, the sort of quick synopsis, right? Let's, if, you, if you had to you know, give us maggot brain in a sentence, what, what would it be? Um, the record, not the record, not the song. We'll tackle them. Separately. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, my my initial note as soon as I started watching, it's like, did funk used to mean something different? And I think it did. <laughs> I, I'm sure it just evolved, but I was not expecting what I got at all. I was expecting, you know, fur coats, bibbity bobbity hats, and you know, one nation under a groove style stuff. I did not get that. Dancer with a diaper on stage. Form. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Adam, what about you? Yeah, they really locked themselves into an expectation with the name Funkadelic, but I guess, you know, Eagles of Death Metal, you're not always necessarily going to get what the uh, what the album title is telling you. So right in line with Tom, I was very surprised as to what was on this album. Yeah, for me, I feel like this album can be summed up in the song choices that Spotify decided to play for me after this album ended, oh, which were... Captain Beefheart, Ween, and Sly and the Family Stone. And I felt like that was an interesting encapsulation. I think that's an accurate or interesting triangulation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Dilute it down to its component parts. That's not terrible. Yeah, I agree. That's not terrible. Yeah. You know, I think this record was, was 
mostly fantastic, although, as I'm sure we'll get into, some very odd choices uh, made uh, from a production standpoint, some of them relating to length and time, <laughs> and others relating to uh, heavy... Scatological use- samples. Yeah, yeah heavy, heavy use of effects. So, before we jump into the songs, right, and, and I, I we'll, we'll kick it off with the... Uh, the title track, Maggot Brain, in a second. I want to give everybody the obvious rundown, the big question, right? Like, what the hell is the deal with Parliament, right? Like, what is that? Parliament versus Funkadelic versus Parliament Funkadelic. So I dug into it a little bit, right? So George Clinton was in a band starting in the late 50s, like a vocal group called The Parliaments. They toured as a vocal group, probably something similar to, you know, early Sly and the Family Stone, Four Tops, that sort of thing, for a decade. (laughs) They lost rights to the name. They had some. Yeah. What was this? I was just wondering, is it the kind of band that like had the slide out? Where like all four guys would be dancing oh, in a row, and then one yeah. guy slides out for his like yeah. line to come. I was definitely imagining that. Yes, yes. All, yeah. I was. I, I didn't. I didn't find any. I didn't dig into the parliaments. Uh, there is a song I want to testify, uh, which like cracked the Billboard 100. Uh, we can actually like throw it on the the playlist. It's 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 interesting. It's sort of what you'd expect from like a, a vocal band in in the 60s. So that band loses naming rights. Clinton, you know, in an effort to sort of just keep gigging with the group, sets up this new name, Funkadelic. Sort of wants to take the band in a new funk rock direction, sort of bring in some of that Jimi Hendrix band of gypsy stuff. This is where the band gets really big. Now it's a 10-piece band. And the previous Jeepers. vocal group, right, is sort of just touring under a different name. It's, it's just a... You know, it's a, con- a contractual thing, but they also use this as an opportunity to sort of launch off in a new direction from a, a sound standpoint. But that doesn't last long because Clinton gets the rights to the parliament name back and starts doing other stuff, stuff that we think of more of that sort of like P-Funk sound, right, under the name parliament. And this is happening concurrently, although it's sort of mostly funkadelic starting in about 1970 after the parliaments are are killed off because of naming rights right that's when funkadelic launches funkadelic puts out their first record in 70 it's called funkadelic another one in 70 called free your mind and your ass will follow maggot brain in 71 (laughs) America Eats is Young in 72, Cosmic Slop in 73, Standing on the Verge of Getting It On in 74, Let's Take It to the Stage in 75, Tales of the Kid Funkadelic in 76, Hardcore Jollies in 76. It goes on and like it doesn't stop. Can it's we like, talk about some of the best album names yeah, I think the, I've ever oh, heard? Oh, that's like, that's well, literally though, done. Adam, that's only half of it. That starts in 70 and runs till 81. <laughs> they maybe have 13 records under Funkadelic wow. in that time. But re- I remember also hearing a, a straight-up Funkadelic album uh, by Dr. Dre called The Chronic. We're going to get to that, right? So we're going to get to that. So that's like 70 to 76 is really heavy on the Funkadelic side, right? But then there's the Parliament side that starts releasing records in 70 as well. 
Parliament releases a record in 70, then up for the downstroke in 74 is sort of the beginning of that other George Clinton sound that you know from that 90s hip-hop, right? Uh, then they release Chocolate City, Mothership Connection, The Clones of Dr. Funkenstein, and this also <laughs> goes on until that's, 1980, that's 1981. Be, that's got to be a Simpsons reference, right? That- no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, maybe, yes, maybe there's a Simpsons episode. No, no, I yeah, it's, it's Funkadelic early, and then it pivots to Parliament, although there's a Parliament record in 70. That really doesn't become the main project until 74. Then you've got Parliament Funkadelic, right? Wow. This is another thing. This is something that starts around that late 70s, early 80s period. This is just when it becomes like a freak show, mostly like a touring act, right? Well, they, were, they, described it as a, they described it as a musical collective. Now... If you guys, if you guys have the opportunity, do yourself a favor and go to georgeclinton.com. He's got his own website. The <laughs> UI is terrible, um, but go to georgeclinton.com. There is a there is a tab called Family, and I think it's like all of the members of the Parliament Funkadelic Collective. And I'm not exaggerating. You can scroll down. There's like 70 fucking members of this. It's ridiculous <laughs> how many people are under the Parliament Funkadelic like um, umbrella. It is obscene. There's so many musicians. They have to have like entire subsections for like these are all the percussionists that we've had. These are all Dude, the graphic designers that we've had. No, I mean you're right. Like the people who have come through the band include Bernie Worrell. Bootsy Collins, Maceo Parker. Um, God, there's a few more that are sort of some some people who are like in the Ohio players who, you know, are, are sort of just oh, yeah, yeah, known yep, for, yep. you know, other stuff, you know, other like 70s golden age radio rhythm and blues sort of stuff. And, and it really is. I mean, it's like it's like the minor leagues or something uh, yeah. like, you know, it's like you graduate up for time. Just look at look at that list of. Look at that list of pictures on the George Clinton site. Under the bass players, there is a guy, Bob Babbitt, who looks like like a fat Italian guy from like 1964 as the as the bass player in this band at one point. Which I really <laughs> yeah. Bob Babbitt is actually he's a pretty like legit. He's I, a sort of like a white Jamerson. No, no, no. I'm not saying he's not legit. I, funny I'm though. more pointing out that I think that. One of the things I appreciate about the sort of parliament funkadelic musical collective type of approach is that they really do just take all comers. They're just like, come on yeah, in. Yeah, yep. yeah, I just want to make cool music. If you want to make cool music, great. Let's make some cool music together. By the way, things for me to Google later is a keyboard or synthesize pl- synth- synthesizer player named Amp Fiddler. Amp Fiddler. Uh. Amp. I would go right Sorry. to YouTube with that one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to need to get a fish. You need to put eyes on that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've gotten, uh, I think we've adequately gotten into the history of why this Funkadelic record actually sounds more like Jimi Hendrix Band of Gypsies and less like Dre Day. Right. So, right. Uh, so with that in mind, let's jump right in to the namesake track, track one. Maggot brain. Let's just roll that. Mm-hmm. 
and here we are 14 minutes later. Good <laughs> Lord, this is a long song. <laughs> How long can this song be? I mean, this is one of those ones where I was not, like, especially for the first track, I was not expecting anything like this. I'm like, when's the kick-in going to come? It's right. a song called Maggot Brain. When's the kick-in going to come? No kick-in. No kick-in. Yeah. Yes. I know exactly what you mean about the kick-in. Uh, I, I, you really don't stop waiting for it at any point. You're ready for it. Yeah. You're like, wow, uh, they're really going to kick every... in for the last 30 seconds of the song, huh? That's crazy. <laughs> <You're> like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but no. No. So It takes, I mean, even back then, I feel like, there were a lot of long instrumental tracks in the 70s. Like, that was not a a huge thing. Or, I mean, honestly, if this is in 70, 71, you could even kick it back to the 60s. Uh, and this type of thing, I feel like it was a little more acceptable. You know, they're on the, that first Chicago album, Terry Kath does a seven-minute song called uh, Freeform Guitar, which is literally just noise. And they put it on the album. And back in the day when you couldn't just skip it on the CD, you'd have to pick the needle right. up and like move it over. Like, come on. So it it speaks to a different time. It does. Where, right. It you does. could get away with that. So part of me putting myself back in the mindset of of that thing where that that was not I won't say commonplace, but a little more acceptable to release an album where your first song is a ten minute instrumental. It's it's pretty badass, if you ask me. It gives me a little bit of a Santana vibe, like, too. I think there's some Santana stuff that isn't quite as sparse as this, but it's the same sort of thing, right? Sure. Like, you've got an organ and maybe some mm-hmm. maracas and Santana for, like, five minutes, right? I'm sure you're talking about the the Rob Thomas uh, iteration <laughs> yes. of yes. Santana. Yes. <laughs> talking about Europa into Smooth. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> well, I think it's also worth mentioning, I don't know, Phil, if you were going to talk about this, the uh, the mythology around this song or like the creative direction that the guitar player was given to play Oh, this. right. Yeah, oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's sort of, you know, legend here, easy, sort of easily serviced on the internet uh, that everybody is high on LSD in the studio. No. Clinton, yeah, no, right? And Clinton, George Clinton tells the guitarist, uh, basically, you know, I want you to play like your mother's died picture that day uh and that is is sort of the inspiration as well as also some of the effects that they had around right uh obviously this is like Jimi hendrix's heyday uh fuzz pedals wah pedals delay pedals not it wouldn't have been a delay pedal but an echo plex and um, uh, there were apparently a lot of other members of the band playing on this and george clinton came in afterwards and basically muted everyone except that little rhythm guitar that's picking through, I guess the drums, bass, and then cranked uh, their guitarist. Help me out, Eddie Hazel. Yes, uh, just cranked him, and then 
So as he was playing, he did not have those effect. George Clinton went in yeah, afterwards, yeah, yeah. likely while still on acid, and then <laughs> added all. <laughs> he needed some help to get all the knobs and everything, but he he added, I would say, you know, probably ninety five percent of the effects that we hear uh, a- after in post. Uh, so when the solo was actually happening, it was just probably just fuzz, just dirty with no delay, and so. Well, Phil, I think you were starting to mention the echoplexing thing. Which what's an echoplex? Yeah, help me out. Yeah, so an echoplex is a tape device. So it's like a little preamp box with a, a physical piece of tape on it, and it has a record head and a play head, and it has a metal bar, right? Essentially, that that stretches the tape, changing the distance between the record play head and the play head, making the delay faster and shorter. Oh, right. So and basically, okay. it has generally they would have. Two knobs, one for the overall volume, one for the volume of the fed back, you know, delay signal. And then, you know, the bar, essentially. That would, right, right. Uh, you know, you get maybe half a second max, right? That's probably even too long. Uh, but that's like all the stuff that you would have heard on like Hendrix records or the early mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin records, right? Like a uh, like whole lot of love has like a, a lot of slap back on it, right? And that's the yeah. same. That sort of sound. Nice. I, I have heard this album a bunch of times since inadvertently purchasing it back in the day. I do. I, I probably should mention this. Like, I love this album. I think it's great, even though it's it's got a lot of hilarious shit going on that, that we're going to talk about. Um, funny enough, though, I was at a friend's house the other day who has this huge, like, outdoor speaker situation going. And he basically gets shit housed. always has really loud music going on. So... I was like, hey, why don't you put on this album Maggot Brain? Because he's really into Zappa and, and all that other crazy shit. He accidentally puts this song on repeat instead of playing through the album. So he starts the song. We go inside, come back out like 45 minutes later. And this song is just blasting. And there's no way the neighbors don't hear it. So basically, like he just blasted his neighborhood with 45 minutes of maggot brain. <laughs> I was just thinking that you walked back out and thought that you were in like a time warp because you came back and were like, oh my God, this song's still on. It's only 10 minutes. I, I thought an hour had gone by. Well, What's no, going no, on? Because, because it does feel like t- that. Every 10 minutes they would get the, I'm going to call it a poem. You know, they might call them lyrics. I'm going to call it a poem. And, and you know, and I would like us to just take a, just take a quick look at this. Mother Earth is pregnant for the third time. For y'all have knocked her up again. I've tasted the maggots in the mind of the universe. I was not offended, for I knew I had to rise above it all or drown in my own shit. I think that's mostly true. When I, I heard that's mostly that, true where you, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, is this going to be some kind of um, like black empowerment protest album? I was expecting a little bit more social commentary when I got the like, there's maggots in the brain of the world. I got to rise above it or drown and shit. And then, no, I just got like, uh, you know, the weird juxtaposition of this yes. song ending. And then it's just like, can you get to that? Right. <laughs> this album definitely feels like art for art's sake. In that sense where I was also expecting, not that, you know, they owe it to me or anyone else, certainly. <laughs> To make a political statement, but that that is what I was expecting, just given the era that this was made in. George Clinton is clearly a weirdo in his own way, right? He is a unique individual with his own style of sort of 
prolific art making, right? Like he is just cranking it out in this period from, you know, 68 to 82 before he takes this thing on the road as Parliament Funkadelic for the rest of his life. What a strange guy. So is it, is this song really that good? Or is it just at the time? Is it one of those things where at the time people were like, yo, you gotta hear this. It's crazy. It's different. It's 10 minutes. There's all this echo. And then people just, guitar players just kept saying that for 40 years. And now you come up to now and everyone still that's, raves that's an about it. interesting question. I mean, there's definitely tracks similar to this on other records, like you point out, right? I mean, honestly, even think of like Heartbreaker. You get 45 seconds of just guitar just dry guitar on the radio for years, you know? For, right, right. Yeah, so. I, I was picturing it similar to the intro of, like, Shine On You Crazy Diamonds, and uh-huh. I was like, that's why I was like, where's the kick in? Like, I can listen to the intro of Shine On You Crazy Diamonds, which is shorter than this, but still obscenely long, because I know that there's a cool song a coming after yeah. it. And I was waiting for the thing. To, this It felt like table setting, and then... When they finally served me the meal, it's like I'd gone into a restaurant that had like, uh, you know, white linen and, you know, Mater D's and tuxedos. And they come out and they're giving me like chicken fingers or something when it gets right. to the next song. It's like it, it's like <laughs> such, the dissonance was pretty pronounced. Yeah, it's long. It's very- I do think there is an experience component to this, and I'm not justifying the length by any means, but. After I listened to this again for a few times, because it had been, you know, at least like five, six, seven years, I was, you know, found myself listening to it either in the car or just wherever I could see it a few minutes. And I wish I had carved out like, you know, 45 minutes or I guess in this case, 35 and just put headphones on and just had it be a sort of singular experience, because I do think that would have made this feel like a little bit more of a experiential type of song but i mm-hmm. i do think this song is a little bit like overhyped yeah it felt pretty noodly to me if i'm being honest it felt pretty noodly um yeah. and unfocused uh and again for a song called maggot brain which we haven't talked about the backstory about why they called oh, the yeah. album or the song maggot brain some said it was because uh Maggot Brain was Eddie Hazel's nickname, but they also said it was because George Clinton found his brother's decomposed body with its skull cracked open on the floor of an apartment in Newark, New Jersey, which, I mean, I feel like that statement has been Could made so many that? times about Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> you, you, Oh, yeah. Apparently, George Clinton found his brother's decomposed dead body with its skull cracked open on the floor of an apartment in Newark, New Jersey. Hmm. So why not immortalize that moment for all (laughs) time and eternity by calling your your album? It's interesting. I didn't come across that. And uh, so, so is there anything more on that? I mean, was that a murder, a suicide? What do they got on that? Uh, you know, dude, I'm just going off of the Wikipedia here. So let me, uh, yeah, let me yeah, see if he's got yeah, anything yeah. about it. Tom, don't tell him we just read Wikipedia. <laughs> we've been doing, we've been going through uh, the Library of Congress <laughs> and getting uh, yeah. 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 the Freedom of Information Act. I mean, I was going through my uh, 56 hours of uh, taped it one-on-one interviews right. with George Clinton, and I remembered <laughs> that anecdote, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Could, could, could you also, could you imagine, like, 
what would be on that tape if you just interviewed George Clinton one on one for fifty hours? Like how bizarre and meandering his he wouldn't would be. stop talking. Dude, do you have to go to the bathroom or eat anything? It's been thirty seven. I am fine. I have transcended. Keep the, the tape needs rolling. Of <laughs> I'm just trying to make all right, it. Hard. All right, let's let's move on to the next track. So let's let's just imagine you've just you've just gone on the ten minute opening saga. That, that is Maggot Brain, and then it pays off in a track too. Can you guess it? gave me band vibes uh the band vibes yeah i think this song is cool i i think it it definitely has sort of like the sly and the family stone meets the band sort of thing not what i was expecting at all i think the right yeah i think the lyrics are cool i think the overall sound is fantastic i think oddly the first like one second is that black crow's song she talks to angels right what is that (laughs) so bizarre That was the very first thing I wrote on here was the she talks to angels fake out. Yeah. Also, what is is that like a regular acoustic guitar? It sounded like there was some weird you guys are guitar nerds. Is that just standard acoustic guitar in that song? I think that's just a standard acoustic guitar, yeah. And then it sounded like they messed with the tape or something or the tuning was kind of coming in and it's out. It's got that yeah. one string that is a little twangy, I agree. Yeah. You know what this sound reminded me of? Um this you guys used to watch like old Sesame Street where they'd have like the 70s Sesame Street where they had that like sure. yes. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, seven. ten, eleven, twelve. 11, like, 12. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I got that total vibe. And I think that it's that device of like six people singing the same thing all at once. They're spread out over octaves and they're just mm-hmm. kind of singing it. It sounds great. It re- and I really dig it. One guy comes in really low with the. Oh end. my god! Give me the. I give me more of the low guy. <laughs> I want. I want so much. It sounds like I was like, oh, they have a bullfrog in their band. As well. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I wonder. Uh, I wonder what the. I wonder what the deal on that is. Ernest Harris is the co-writer of that song. Uh, I, I do not know who hits that low note. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah, what did they say? He had, he had Isaac Hayes's backing group, uh, Hot Buttered Soul, doing the backup for mm-hmm. that. So, I mean, if you if you're in a, a group with Isaac Hayes and you're the low guy, you can sing pretty <laughs> damn well. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, that's a true bass, right? This is a cool song. I, I thought it was a great yeah. transition out of. I think if if. 
might be best served thinking of this as like the hit or the the kick in for sure. the ten sure. minute intro. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was intentional, but yeah, I thought it was a killer song. I definitely got Sly and the Family Stone vibes. I love the unison vocals; like it just has a like a power to it. Yeah. Because they also have the they have the super low guy, but they also have the people like can you get like kind of singing real yes. high like that too. It's great. It's really cool. I this is the this was like the find on the album that I was like, oh, this is cool. I dig this a lot. Um, it there's not a lot going on in this song. Um, not a lot of complexity. Not a lot of there's uh, not a lot to it and stuff. There's not a lot yeah. to it. But they do that thing where like we're gonna well, let's contrast it for a second from rock lobster from last week where there's not a lot to rock lobster and it's almost eight minutes long this song right. is like a tight three and is there you go by the time you're about to get sick of it one thing going out. on right yeah. right you don't have to write the most complex song ever you just have to make sure that you don't have time to get sick of it <laughs> it does have like a semi quintessential like 70s cop movie vibe right like it like both the groove of the band <laughs> and then like the way the vocals sort of like you know are juxtaposed against that yeah good song good song this was this yeah, is like this one. my find for the album that i'm like oh i will listen to this one again definitely all right so with, let's just keep cruising so the next track on the record is hit it and quit it let's let's roll this one Like this sounded like a again like the band or the Doobie Brothers or Adam Adam what's a what's a what's a seventies band with a ripping organ player? It's had a pretty sweet organ solo. I mean, all of them. All of them. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Yeah, right, right. I mean, was that Bernie Worrell playing on it? Yeah, it would make sense. Yeah. No, he rips it. I feel like that organ solo alone like carries the mail. <laughs> for this song yeah it's tight although this song also makes me feel like if i ever need confidence that i can write lyrics to a song <laughs> i can just listen to something like this and i'm like yeah i can do that i mean they wrote one riff in one line and that's it and they're basically like we're done we got one riff one line let's make a song let's out of that pl- let's play for four minutes call it a day yeah bernie we're all backing you up on on uh organ you can probably stretch that to i think what it's like three minutes yeah, this is like three to yeah. four minutes of just them ripping it. Yeah, four minutes, three fifty. Yeah, I mean, you I get- like I like the timing thing that they do. So is it every? I don't know. There's like a, a point where they 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 do a five count, kind of like throws you off, and then they land back on one again. Uh, yeah. It's like when they come back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
It's like that last measure is maybe a, a couple beats longer yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. land on one again. So you can't, because I was bobbing my head and then I like fell over. I was like, something happened yeah. there. So, Which so. is, you know, it's interesting. I've been, I've been writing more metal songs for this Arby's metal project that Rob and I have been working on. And like, that's totally a, a metal device where you get the riff and you extend just one part of it to throw it out of time so that it kind of like, yeah. you, know, and you come yep. back in and when you land, it feels more powerful. It's like, yeah, man. It's all the same. I could be in the collective, you know. Let me in, guys. <laughs> I think they need metal Arby's vibes specialist. this week. Yeah, <laughs> I am wearing an Arby's t-shirt right now. <laughs> an Arby's specialist. They have a guy in their collective just called Sir Nose, um, and they, so they have like <laughs> subheadings for everybody for like all the different categories. So the I, subheadings I go, are. I gotta go check this out right now. Bass, drums and percussions, graphics, guitars, horns, keyboards and synthesizers, Sir Nose, and vocals. Sir Nose has his own heading. As a, his own categories? Yes. <laughs> he made an impact. Is he the guy that wore the diaper on stage, or was that the later? <laughs> I thought that was, was that Bootsy era? Collins? I don't think that was Bootsy. I think Bootsy was his own entity. But And I think there was someone that just wore the diaper, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, or at least, like that according to that movie, PCU. <laughs> Oh God! Which I is love that definitely movie. a source of truth for uh, yeah. George Clinton. I loved that movie because it was the main character was a guy named Tom from Delaware. You think this yes. is under? Where'd you find this? Is under family care? Under family. Yeah. Yeah, family care. Yeah. Yep. You really can't miss him. He's got a giant prosthetic nose. And there's a whole heading. I invite our. <laughs> Invite our loyal listeners to go join us on the website, as Tom mentioned, georgeclinton.com. <laughs> Absolutely. Re- By the way, at the bottom of the page, it says connect with the mothership. That is just priceless. Yeah. Uh, my bad. I actually clicked on someone different first who also is wearing a prosthetic nose. Yeah. Oh, dear God. It's more of a clown nose in his case. Wait, was that the Humpty dance? <laughs> oh, didn't he just die? He did. Oh. Burger King bathrooms everywhere have been. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my good Lord. So, anyway, he didn't quit, huh? I mean, this this is, I think, also, I mean, this, this tune to me, this is almost like a James Brown song, right? Like, this is the James Brown formula. And I think, it again, this, this is a clear differentiator at this point between what Funkadelic sounds like as opposed to P-Funk, which is where you're going to have Clavinet more yeah yeah more you hear yeah and there's experimentation there's xylophone oh, yeah, yeah, yeah there's xylophone or something in this tune if you listen loud there's some definite um yeah something going on yeah, yeah it's like a glockenspiel or something right along with like the the woman singing really high well sticking with the sort of meters theme let's move on to the next track we're going to check out you and your folks me and my folks.
those opening notes took me back to that Beastie Boys song. Dodo. Dodo. Like, I actually looked it? to see if this was sampled in that song because I thought the same oh, exact thing. High plane yeah, scripter, it, it, right? Yes. Yeah. It's actually, high yeah. Plane, right. Plane Is that the one where he made a withdrawal? Make my withdrawal. <laughs> my favorite musical moment of the podcast series. <laughs> However, it is not that, nor is it the Eagle song, Them Shoes, I think, is what that actual sample was on that tune from the Beastie Boys. Wow. wow. Oh, is that okay, right? good memory. Thank you. Oh, I, th- I, w- I would have guessed, if I was listening to this sample, I would have thought it was the Young Americans drum fill. Ooh. Yeah. So what did you guys think of this tune? What was your initial take? I think we've already heard a little bit. What stuck out to me was this, this snare drum effect, this weird chorus flange thing that's happening on the snare drum. Although you guys seem caught up in the kick drum bass guitar interplay. Oh yeah, I hear the snare thing. That again, pseudo echoplexy thing. Probably an actual echoplex. Pretty cool. I feel like my impression of this song, and this is this might come out weird. There was just like a blackness to the song where I feel like if you if you there's no assemblage of white people you could put together that could make it sound like this. Like it just sounded <laughs> straight up like soul early 70s. Like it just had that that feel to it. It definitely has like a downstream from gospel sort of thing, right? And definitely that 70s soul vibe for sure. Am am I the only one that noticed that there was like a chorus around the middle and then it never happened again. Like there was this really <laughs> yeah, cool chord, yeah. really yeah. cool chord progression. I guess you could call it the chorus. And yeah, he only, they only did it once and it was a really nice progression. It, it, it went somewhere and then it came back and then it never back happened yeah, again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we, they yeah. Just lay it down. You know, I think by definition, <laughs> cool. by definition, you can't call it the chorus if they only do it once and never do it again. Yeah, That's you're right. Like, right. <laughs> It was a, I'll just call it a section of the song. Yeah. What if it's the verse? What if the whole song is the chorus? Oh. And then that is the verse. It's the Carly Rae Jepsen. It's like all <laughs> chorus. No verse. Yes. Be meticulously produced. <laughs> so, I mean, to me, I think this is like, I mean, what's shaping up here is sort of for me, my experience this record is you sort of have the first track and, and then also, you know, the last track which are also these really long sort of epics. And in the middle, you just have these grooves, right? That are meters like, Sly and the Family Stone like. Um, I think they're really cool. I noticed that this one has writing credits for basically the whole band. Um, almost everybody in the band gets a <laughs> 35 a people. Credit. No, well, like, because there's not actually that many people that are playing on oh, gotcha. this album. So right, this right. is George Clinton, Clarence Haskins, uh, William Nelson, who's the bass player, Bernie Worrell, who is the, um, the organist, Judy Jones, who is one of the um, vocalists, I believe. Um, anyway, it, it's a this seems like a more collaborative kind of like we just all sort of got together and made a cool song type of vibe. And I get that sense that comes through a little bit. We've talked about this before about like. Do you sound like a real band in yeah, your sure. mm-hmm. studio recordings, or do you sound like five guys playing in separate rooms that were then put together in a lab? 
And this sounds like a real band, and I, I definitely sure. dig that a lot. I think this whole album sounds pretty bandy, but this one in particular sounded like a real band. I think it's a really good insight, actually. I, I definitely think this track, and, and really the last three that we've talked about, really do feel like a band, right? Like, it feels like people in a room playing music. Uh, you know, that probably is the biggest thing about the, the vocals that's interesting, is you can sort of tell they were recorded at another time, right? Um, in a very sort of 70s way. I've always liked bands that where part of their songwriting is inspired from jams, right? So I know, mm-hmm. you know, like early Talking Heads used to build their songs up from, you know, they would just basically record their jams and sort of mine those for, hey, what's what's working in this jam? Like, what sounds good? How can we, you know, vamp on that, turn, turn it into a song? I feel like I, it seems like they maybe do a good bit of that on, on this album, or at least like that's how it comes across. You know, I, I, I find that songs that are written like that tend to be just more fun. You know, you can't be in a room full of people like kind of doing a jam and you're like, all right, what vocals are we going to put over it? I don't know. Let's talk about how my heart is broken and my dog has cancer. You know, it's like <laughs> you tend to have a little bit more, they tend to be a little bit more up. You know, and I, right, I get right. that vibe. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. You're like, what if we just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's like, what, yeah. if, what if I put an echoplex on the snare drum? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then everybody's on LSD and, totally. you know, speed. And you just have fun. Did we, did we talk about the LSD eating contest that the guitar player? <laughs> oh. Is it, is, it, is it Eddie Hazel? No, it's not Eddie Hayes. So here, here's the uh, here's the quote from Wikipedia. So after this album was released, the band effectively disbanded. Drummer Tiki Fullwood was fired due to drug use. Guitarist Tal Ross, first time I'm hearing of this guy, reportedly got into an acid eating contest, <laughs> then snorting some raw speed before completely flipping out and has not performed since. Oh my god! That is. So there that. you have it. That's an epic bender. A career-ending bender. Like, what was Tiki Fullwood doing that he got kicked out of Funkadelic for drug use? <laughs> <Right. laughs> Jesus, was he, like, sucking adrenochrome straight out of the base of the skull of, like, babies? What the hell is, like, how are you, like... George Clinton's like, listen, I eat acid, like, 24-7, and uh, you're just too much. But sorry, he's I, I on time to the gigs, yeah, right? <laughs> I feel like if we ever do a spinoff podcast that delves into like these like specific stories, I need more information on the acid eating contest. <laughs> I need to know like the the variables. You know, how, I, I need. Is more. Tal Ross still available? Let's see if he can join the call he, next he week. Yeah, the place in the seventies. Yeah, it seems he is alive. Uh, he's seventy three and he lives in North Carolina. He released a record in nineteen ninety five, which was his first release. After disappearing for 25 years. (laughs) From just like a procedural standpoint, if you were to have an acid eating contest, this has to be a days long endeavor, right? Because it's not just like how much acid you shove in your mouth in 10 minutes because you don't even know what's going to happen then, right? Like, It's not like a hot dog eating contest where it's over in like 13 minutes. (laughs) Just shoving sheets of of acid paper in your mouth. Yeah, I'm not how, oh sure God. how you declare the winner of that contest. It's the guy who says, acid eating contest, 
Nah, man, I'm good. That's, I'm good. that's the winner. <laughs> you win. It's the guy who doesn't yeah. have brain damage in ten years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you get brain damage in ten minutes. Really... <laughs> so was was George Clinton the Count Basie of this band? Like, did George Clinton play an instrument, or did he just kind of stand around and say like? He's, you know, listen to a groove sings. and say, like, we're using that. Yeah, I know he sings, but, he like... He sings. He's given a lot of songwriting credit, so I do wonder okay. how much, especially on some of these songs that have more arranged vocals. But mm-hmm. to your point, I mean, I don't know what he's doing on, on Yeah, 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 other than uh, than saying Yeah, Yeah, he's Yeah. He's a spiritual right. leader. That, yeah, I really do think that he leader. is actually... He's the organizing principle. And you're right. The Count Basie yeah. is a good analogy, that he's the guy who collects the talent and points him in a direction. There's a there's something about the the kick drum or the bass drum in this uh in this you and your folks, me and my folks. Like it gives me like a Genesis thing. This would be a really interesting song to have one of like our current bands try to cover just to prove Alan's point that like no collection of white people could make this sound good at all. <laughs> if he, you know, we might we might end up uh, getting canceled for that. That might be be a hate crime. But uh, it would be funny to see how that would work out. I think it's a it's an homage, honestly. I think it's a tribute to like, hey, we don't have it in us. We just don't. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that this was the one song, uh, and Alan and Tom talking about pocket, right? This was actually the only song on the album where I detected a sense of a little, a little behind the beat, a little pocket. Everything else just felt straightforward rock and I, I, sure. I don't know if that was no, just th- me this but... one has the thing again it's that like yeah a hair laggy which gives you that the head bob thing this also to me sounds a little bit more like what you would expect from P- the p-funk or the g-funk shit that was co-opted from p-funk right. really slow and yeah like you said behind the beat really deep sure. deep and groove. you see yeah and the so there is a p or not a p funk there is a parliament record that comes out the same year um i didn't dig into that much but so interestingly this sound would be experimented with on the parliament side which is many of the same players but sometimes playing different roles right like the band focuses on different instruments, right? It sort of, it, it highlights different sounds. Um, but then that project would largely be shelved until 74, 75, which is sort of like the end of the funkadelic sort of acid rock Sly and the Family Stone run. So yeah, this is very much more rock. The album generally, this, like you're right, Adam, Adam, this is the one that did have a little bit of that funk. I, and I know that this is a very narrow view of funk, but like I was like, is there? There's not like any slap on this entire album. There's no slap bass on an entire album called Funkadelic. Well, I don't think um, slap was so. It wasn't invented yet. No, I. So Larry Graham, who was actually in Sly and the Family Stone, sort of is considered like the pioneer of slap, and that may have been around this era or or like slightly thereafter. Okay. So I I don't know that it was like in the mix you know, as a, as a thing back then. 1970. Anyway, sorry to bring it back to, of course, talking about the bass again. Dude. I mean, we can, we can do breakout groups and, and talk some bass. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, so let's take it to the last track we are going to check out today. Super Stupid. Which yes! Is, yes, yes. Is, this is essentially the Lenny Kravitz origin song, yes. right? Like, this, this is like is the Lenny jam. Kravitz prequel. Yes. Ro- yeah, all right, so let's, let's roll that, and then, you know, Adam, you can take us out. my god like i i've listened to this song probably 20 times i put this on loop uh, a couple of times during this week listening to it it's it it yeah it just friggin rocks it's quirky because when there is a chorus there's actually no lyrics over it i think he just goes like diddly diddly do or something like that. <laughs> when they come back to the chorus uh yeah man great there's that little intro the riff is badass. There's a great organ buildup in there. Uh, there's a little breakdown. A great solo. Man, this this one was just a, a out of nowhere, out of left field, and I love it. Yeah, this song definitely rips. Uh, it definitely has that cool guitar intro, and to me, really just does just sound like a Lenny Kravitz song. Like, and I mean that right. in the, the the best way, like the best Lenny Kravitz song from that it's from that album Circus, maybe. <laughs> The Circus album by Lenny Kravitz. I feel like that's the one that had um, Rock and Roll is Dead on it. Yeah. Oh, cool. yeah, that, yeah. It's kind of that sound. Yep. And th- I, I had a note that this would be the this would be the most fun to play. Like I could, Out of all these songs, I'm, I'm picturing myself on stage just rocking to this. And, yeah, just getting excited. Yeah, this song was a beast. The, the first note I had was this sounds like, like a better Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it just—I don't know. I'm not gonna shit on Zeppelin, but it had a little bit of that like um, good times, bad times vibe. Like there was some weird drum action happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, the song ripped. The uh, the same guy who blasted his neighborhood with with maggot brain the next morning texted me, being like, "Dude, this is awesome. Um, super stupid's melting my brain." And this was yeah. at like seven o'clock in the morning that he said. <laughs> Poor neighbors. Seriously. <laughs> So, I mean, if you think about it, this is fairly contemporary to Led Zeppelin. I mean, this is July of 71 when this record would have come out. So Led Zeppelin 1 would have come, I believe, January of 69. Led Zeppelin 2 is, I want to say, like November, December 69. And then Led Zeppelin 3 doesn't come out till I think, like, 71, maybe 72. So this is fair. I mean, this is, you know, very much, you know, in line with the stuff that Led Zeppelin, Hendrix, Jeff Beck... Even, you know, the <laughs> the honorable Eric Clapton. Led Zeppelin 3 was October 1970. Because I was, I was thinking, like, yeah, because I knew, I think 4 came out in 71. I'm pretty sure Led Zeppelin 4 Yeah, when does 4 come out? 
I, I thought four was later. I thought that was like 73, 73. Uh, no, four is 71. Um, God. Yeah, November uh, 71. Man, these guys are busy. They were busy. Stealing People used music. to work back in the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, the drums are overdriven on this track as well. The Whatever they were using on the mic, I, I think they cranked the gain a little bit. And again, it's just, it that, just like, rocks. Natural distortion yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah, just a little crunchy and just adds to the overall crunch of the song. Like the whole song is crunchy. Yeah, and it, it, yeah. it's yeah, it's it's blasting. It sounds again, it sounds like a band. It sounds like a band that is playing very loud. Yeah. Right? Yep. And and they're just they're awesome. They're just in time and in tune. I mean, I can keep talking about this record. I mean, we can go on to talk about back in our minds and how it is simultaneously uh, the Pina Colada song and what is that stupid thing they're hitting? Uh, <laughs> it's, it must be like a metal bar or something that they can bend because it's like it's like a triangle that they can pitch, right? And it's the right. loudest thing in the mix. And they it's spin very it around. Obnoxious. They spin yeah. it around. It's like it's. I mean, mean? we've talked about this in the past, where like you know, Metallica. You can tell Lars has a lot of control over the mixing. Did like, did the triangle player? Was he a really dominant personality? He's, he's just like sleeping with George triangle. Clinton. Right. Is that like Mr. Nose? What was yeah. his name? Oh, Sir Nose. Sir Nose. Sir Nose. Sir Nose. Yeah, Give him his appropriate Sir. title. All right. Now, I, I got to ask you guys, if we're, gonna, if we're working on wrapping things up here, but the last song. So we've got two roughly 10-minute songs on the album, the sure. opening track and the closing track. Now... For those of you who may have gotten halfway through Wars of Armageddon and thought, okay, I get it. It's an experimental track, and you just stopped. What if I told you that there was a really loud fart noise about three-quarters of of the way through the song that we're going to play right now? They really blew an opportunity to have this on Beavis and Butthead. I think this would have been a, a, a sick video. I mean, I'm trying not to let that decision like skew me because, the, <laughs> you know, it's like if you wrote a really good book and then like the last chapter was just you telling like fart or diarrhea jokes uh, uh, for no the reason. First, it's also like the first chapter. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> But the middle of the book was really good, and there was a murderer and mystery. And then the last chapter is just talking about diarrhea. <laughs> but how good are the diarrhea jokes? That's what I want to know. Like, right. I mean, you're are, right. Are That's they, a good point. Are they busting out the classics, like you know, right. when you're, you're <laughs> going down a ladder and you're feeling something <laughs> feeling something splatter. Yeah, you know, you're you're, you're <laughs> sliding into into first, and your pants start to burst. <laughs> It's 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 like George Clinton booked a day, and he was like, "I just need an acid day." I owe myself. I owe. It's been a long week. I owe myself an acid day, and that's what happened. Self care was really big back in that, in that era. Just wanted to call it out because I'm still not sure if that's going to throw a wrench into my my overall thoughts. This reminded me of. I remember when I was like 10 and I first got this like Casio keyboard and it made some different noises. None of them made fart noises, but I remember some of them made, you know, interesting non-traditional noises. And I would just sit there and be like, donk, donk, donk. <laughs> and it was just like somebody got a hold of the sampler and just 
was just mashing <laughs> buttons. It was like, ooh, I wonder what this one does. Yeah, but then again, there wasn't that third party who walks in and they're like, let's hear what you did today. Erase <laughs> all that. That's garbage. Why did you? Okay. Were you just like drinking milkshakes and eating cheese subs all day and you decided like, hey, I'm going to walk into the booth and record my incredible flatulence and that deserves yeah, who's to be financing this operation? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's funny because like some of the reviews really do actually allude to what you guys are discussing, specifically the fart noises. The one that I'm seeing here is the druggy, time warped sh- super schlock. Um, who needs this shit? Was uh, the the comment from the Village Voice, uh, and in this in this context, I think that is uh, literal. You know. Right, right. Shattered, desolate landscape with few pleasures. Still, that's just ridiculous. I agree. I agree. That's just ridiculous. I I think it's not desolate at all. No. Yeah, dude, this guy has not been at 2021. If he wants to see a shattered, desolate (laughs) landscape, just wait about 50 years, dude, all right? 1971. Oh, man. Buy a house for 17 bucks. He prayed for (laughs) Vietnam. (laughs) We can only go back to the great days of the Vietnam War. (laughs) The good old days of yesteryear. Well, you know, in all honesty, uh, we lost, what, 53,000 people in the Vietnam War over the course of eight or nine years. And so, you know, we're like 10x that in a year uh, yeah. in 2021. So, woohoo! <laughs> Progress, baby. Wars <laughs> of Armageddon. Woo! All right. So, I think I think we're wrapping it up here, right? We've, we've discussed some of the highs, some of the lows, right? Some of the, the problems uh, from, a, from an album standpoint, the way this is bookended with some of the more out there material. So... Well, let's 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 run it down. Where is everyone on Funkadelic's iconoclastic funk rock record, Maggot Brain? So I actually am a yes on this one. Part of the reason that I'm a yes is I don't think that there's any way that you're going to hear these songs unless you speak them out and say, I'm going to listen to this album. It's not like you're going to be like, well, I'm familiar with all of the hits from Funkadelic. And, you know, <laughs> um, so, yeah, you should listen to this. It's cool. It's weird. There's a lot of odd choices. But it also, in a way, it when somebody makes very odd production choices on an album, it gives you as a listener an opportunity to realize that an album is a collection of thousands of production choices. And oftentimes, when it's done very well, you don't even think about that. You don't even notice them because they're just part of the fabric that you take as the experience and when there's like jarring production choices it makes you think about like they had to decide on that and then you'd be like well they had to decide on actually every single thing on here had to be decided upon and i i like that that it can get your mind thinking in a way that's maybe a little less linear about music so i'm a yes Ah, good good call so i'm gonna say yes for this album i i really like this album i do think it's a little bit over I don't want to say overrated because I don't think the general public rates this very highly, but I do think music nerds put this in in the pantheon. Uh, a lot of people say it's their best album, and it might be. I'm admittedly not like super familiar with their catalog, but Tom, you made a good point that this just I don't know anything like this. It 
it's it's just a unique like amalgam of different things a lot of things that i do like you know things like soul and funk and you know old school psychedelic music but i think it pulls on those different things in like a really authentic way and it's not trying too hard but yeah i think this is a great album i do think it's slightly overrated um in the music circles but uh it's a yes for me yeah, so this is Adam. I'm actually going to vote no on this. I I think piggybacking off of just what Alan said, I do think it's a bit overrated. I've seen this album a hundred times, and this is the first time I've listened to it all the way through. I think there's only a couple, I mean, two decent tracks. I mean, there there's others on there that are they're quick and they're short and they're cute, but nothing really uh, stood out to me. The opening song, that 10-minute jam, it just didn't do it for me. I understand there was a time where that's what you would do. It, I just think it was a bit, uh, a bit much, and I don't think it holds up. You know, I, I think that that first 10-minute track was praised back in the day, and then the praise has just continued. I think <laughs> that last track of Wars of Armageddon, yes, it was experimental, but I got a hard time. Anything that's got, you know super loud fart noises on it is going to be on my 100 their top 1001 albums uh i mean that wasn't the nail in the coffin but it was a contributing nail so i'm actually going to just say no on this one that's uh, well said adam for me phil this is this is a yes i liked this record i i agree with your critiques adam i actually find the song maggot brain to be potentially the most skippable on the record only to wars of armageddon uh, and i do agree that sort of starting and ending the record like that is tough uh but i also do just think it's it's fun it's hip it, it has a certain like uh black frank zappa thing alan uh, i think you said it was uh it was authentic right and i, I do think it just it has a sort of it's funky, not in the not in the rhythmic way, right? But it is it is authentic in that way, um, and yeah, I just thought it was cool in general. I hadn't listened to this in years, um, yeah. So that's uh, that's three out of four. That's a yes. Maggot brain from Funkadelic. George Clinton's Funkadelic is in. I wanna know. <laughs> you're like three octaves above that guy. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> all right so what's uh what's next on the docket now that we have one more in the yes column oh we got to go over to the albinator 5000 figure out what we are going to listen to next week dear listeners thank you all for sticking around i know that this is the highlight of your week as it is of mine learning what our homework assignments are for the the upcoming week so Drum roll, please. We will be listening to oh, American Idiot by Green Day. You All know, right. This was like a political statement of an album, I think. I've never listened. I yeah, think I, it was, yeah. I know the now radio the radio hit or hits. There's one or two off that, I think. Uh, the rest I'm, I'm not at all familiar with, so this will be cool. I, I just remember it was like right around the Iraq War era where they came out with this and they were basically talking about how like a lot of Americans are really stupid and I want to sit Billy Joe down and be like 
did you think it was gonna get worse? Because I, <laughs> again, I, Can we revisit? I long for the days of 2003 and just the level of <laughs> lunat lunatic idiocy we had then compared to now. It seemed like the discourse was actually quaint. <laughs> yeah, this is billed as a punk rock opera. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I did know that it was turned into like a Broadway show. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah, they they went to Broadway with it or yeah, some or iteration some, yeah, some or yeah, some take this, of it. Yeah. Adam, given your aversion to, uh, you know, poop humor, how would you feel if we were doing Green Day's Dookie? Like, would, would that be? I love Dookie because it's 17 <laughs> minutes. It's 12 tracks. It's 17 minutes long. It's going for the Trey, soundboard. What is it, Trey Adam, cool. going, I love Dookie. I love Dookie. <laughs> <laughs> Trey Cool's a badass. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, we should do that one at some point. Yeah, that, right. it does. Whenever fuck the fuck American idiot, we're doing that one instead. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> we should just... <laughs> We can't fix this, Alan. All right. We have to stick with the Albinator and what it says. Right. <laughs> all right. Device, so, you know, <laughs> throw it back to Phil. All right. So we're going to be wrapping it up this week. If you have any comments, if you have any love letters or feedback, or you think we made any errors this week, send an email to 1001 album complaints at gmail.com. Now, wait, Phil, this just in. I just got an email that said, who is responsible for the sweet intro track and the sweet outro track no shit. on the podcast? No, he it's me. I'm just trying, to throw some, <laughs> just trying to throw some love. The intro is done by the Beverly Crushers, also available on Spotify. And the outro music is by the band Mega, also available on Spotify. That's like, correct. How do we even hear about these fantastic bands? I don't know. Yeah. We're going to have to start mentioning them every day, every episode at the start of the episode as well, because I don't know who's making it to the end. I feel days. like you might actually make your way back to Mega on Spotify if you start with Maggot Brain yeah, and just yeah. let it, Spotify suggest. You just might actually get to, to Mega at some point. The 600th track on radio. Yeah. You know, it would be great if you know how like the YouTube algorithm has a way of radicalizing people by getting them to watch like more and more extreme things. It'd be cool if Spotify was doing that somehow. Just everything led back to like gutter punk or like cannibal corpse or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like... yeah, none... <laughs> There's a really cool, uh, like uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer journey to the center of the earth uh, thing you can check out. It's totally weird. That comes straight out of Tori Amos. <laughs> but yeah, let's listen to, uh, let's listen to the, the, you know, the suggestions from there on out. If I don't end up, like on a Cannibal Corpse deep cut, I'm going to be disappointed. Which, by the way, have you guys ever listened to a Cannibal Corpse song? Yes, it's unlistenable. <laughs> unlistenable. <laughs> only deep cuts. Those are the only it Cannibal is, Corpse songs that I listen to. It is not music. It is like... <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of that? Is it like sludge metal or like throat metal? What is it? I don't even know. It's. I think Deftones is considered sludge metal, maybe. But I'm sure if there are metalheads... They will let me know I'm wrong. Grindcore. Wonder Clowncore. Which is hardcore music only for metal bands who dress as clowns. Like Twisted. <laughs> is that not ICP? No, that's yes. an ICP knockoff, Twisted. <laughs> God, could you imagine being in an ICP knockoff band? <laughs> They God. are. Uh, oh, yeah. Look up Twisted. T W I Z T I D. Uh, they not gonna are do that. a hip hop duo. <laughs> they're like, yeah, they're like ICP light. 
Jesus. Yeah. That's... Oh, no. All right. All right. So. <laughs> Phil, then, take us home. Yeah. So, guys, thank you. It's been a great night. Uh, until next time, I am Phil. I am Tom. I'm Adam. I'm Alan. Boosh. <laughs>